The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Welcome to the Real Health Podcast at the Reardon Clinic. I'm your host today, Kim Romig, uh, and joining me today is Dr. Ron, our Chief Medical Officer here at the Reardon Clinic. Hey. Welcome. Kim, welcome to you. Glad to have you aboard now. <laughs> yes, yes. It's definitely a new journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So today we are talking about um, new safety concerns about an old weed killer, glyphosate, which is also known as Roundup. Can you tell me more about sure, that? Sure, sure. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, I think most people have heard about Roundup. Probably most people have used it. Uh, people use it on their lawns. Uh, they can use it, you know, to clear out weeds from between the crevices of their sidewalks and driveways. Uh, of course, the farmers make very extensive use of it. It's been in use since 1974, so it's been around a long time, and, and we've been told that it is safe. There's a couple of things that I found out about it that make me a little concerned, uh, and I'll come back to this, but it's also, when it first uh, was uh, developed, it, the, the application was for uh, it as an antibiotic, and most people don't know that. Oh, wow. Which means that it can, as any antibiotic, kill bacteria. So uh, some of the new concerns are surrounding the fact that if there are glyphosate residues in our food, uh, and we eat that food, we are uh, putting an antibiotic in our gut, which, you know, people can do. It's not it itself is not going to kill you, but what could happen is that uh, when you change the composition of your gut bacteria in an unfavorable way, it can cause leaky gut, irritable bowel, and that can lead to autoimmune disorders. So that's, that's a concern right there. Uh, it's not the major concern right now, but it's a big concern. Okay. Yeah. So, so how does it work? You said it was bacteria, but like, so that's, let's talk about this. That's one mechanism is that it, uh, and that's not really how it kills weeds. Okay. So most people have heard of the concept of GMO, you know, genetically modified organisms. Well, that came about bec uh, when the, when Monsanto uh, was able to genetically change corn and soy such that the, the mechanism of uh, glyphosate would not harm them. It would kill the weeds around them, but it wouldn't 
kill them. And so, uh, by the way, the, the way it does uh, work is that it, it, it's, it's very similar to an amino acid called glycine, which is in most of our proteins. And it will substitute itself into an enzyme called, uh, an enzyme pathway called the shikimate pathway, and it will no longer work. And the shikimate pathway is, um, it, it, it affects broadleaf green plants. And so that's why it works against, uh, you know, most of your weeds. Mm -hmm. But the reason it doesn't kill the corn and the uh, soy is because they've been genetically modified to resist it. But the bacteria in humans uh, cannot resist it. And so even though uh, it's been normally portrayed as safe for humans at the low dose that it's used at, uh, we now know it can affect the gut. And there's also some new evidence that there are factors along with it. Scientific American came out with an article not too long ago that there are, uh, there's an, in, an inert ingredient called POAE that may affect uh, human embryos, placenta, and umbilical cord cells. So this may be an issue for uh, pregnant women. Okay, so it's making it like causing a lar lot larger concern just outside of, you know, the food itself. It's actually in long term being that's, an issue causing chronic illness, gut health, things like that. That's right. That's exactly right. And now it's gotten to the point where there is uh, concerns that it might even be related to uh, Hodgkin's disease. And there was a big award, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is what I'm talking about. And there was a big award against Monsanto just recently, $295 million award. And now there are more people that are coming forward with concerns about it. And the, and the, uh, the World Health Organization has listed as a, uh, as a possible carcinogen. And so, and maybe even probable. So all these things are uh, starting to show up in the news. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's okay. You know, I, I, uh, I don't eat corn and soy anymore. I, or I don't, you know, use uh, GMO foods. And so I only use non-GMO foods, right? Like wheat and there's various other crops that are non-GMO. Uh, the problem is wheat and oats are also sprayed with Roundup as they get close to harvest. And the reason for that is that Roundup has been found to be a desiccating agent, which means it dries out the wheat. It also is because it kills uh, the, uh, the end growth of the wheat, it makes all the wheat kind of mature at the same time. And so, so it's dried out, it's evenly matured. The, the farmers like that. So not every farmer sprays their wheat fields or their oat fields with, with Roundup, but a lot do. And so uh, in doing sample testing, it was found that uh, like 45 out of 49 uh, oat products, for instance, uh, had residual uh, glyphosate in it. And so things like uh, Cheerios, things like, uh, you know, the oatmeal, old fashioned oatmeal, 
a lot of the uh, uh, breakfast bars and snack bars that kids eat are very high in, in, in this. Now, I, my, my concern, my biggest concern is that, you know, we, we here at the Reardon Clinic, we do work a lot with cancer patients. We, we do uh, integrative oncology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Timms in Overland Park, Kansas City, He's been routinely measuring glyphosate levels on his cancer patients and commonly finds it high. I uh, happen to see a 12-year-old girl who's, she doesn't live on a farm. She's got sarcoma. She's undergoing chemotherapy. And so I thought I better check her uh, glyphosate level. And it was, uh, the upper limit should be less than one and hers was six which is a, a very much into the red zone. Uh, did this cause her cancer? I don't know. Uh, it, what, we're, what we're using these days is a, something called terrain-based integrative care of cancer patients, which we look at uh, their metabolism, we look at toxicities, we look at um, stressors, uh, a num- uh, gut flora, a number of different factors that can play a role in whether or not the cancer progresses faster or more aggressively than, than it otherwise would. And we're trying to limit those as best we can. So, so this is when this whole glyphosate issue kind of came to a head for me and why uh, I think people should be aware of it. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sh- saying that everyone needs to go out and have their level checked, but uh, we've, we have had patients coming in now requesting uh, that, that this be done. And, and then one of the big things they want to know is, okay, if I do have an elevated glyphosate level, what do I do? There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's episode of The Real Health Podcast is brought to you by the Reardon Clinic Nutrient Store. The Nutrient Store is your resource for the highest quality nutritional supplements. Every supplement in the store is handpicked by the expert medical staff at Reardon Clinic, providing you with the best quality, purity, consistency, and effective dosing available. Visit store.reardonclinic.org to shop online. So what are those next steps? So uh, first of all, the first big step is become aware of where it's going to be. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that the major use of glyphosate is with soy and corn crops, okay? And you might say, oh, good. Well, I don't use that much soy or corn. Do you like beef, though? Because uh, a lot of our feedlots, uh, that's the main food that cows are eating now and and also other uh, barnyard animals, even fish you know, on the fish farms, they're being fed soy and corn. Mm-hmm. These have been doused in glyphosate. And so it's getting into the meat. And so there's a new saying now, you are what you eat, ate. So this is a good indication for you to be thinking of maybe I'll spend a little extra money and get some grass fed beef. Or maybe I'll check the labels and not use uh, farm growing fish. Maybe the ocean fish would be a better choice and a lower risk. So that's one one way that uh, it may uh, show up in our diet is that way. Um, 
obviously the the cereals. Uh, you know, uh, I, certainly when you think about getting uh, non-GMO cereals, um, you might want to try to buy, again, it costs a little bit more to get organic, even though because more and more people are buying organic, you're finding it at a lower price at Walmart and Dillon's and different places. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily a huge additional expense, but it may be worth it in terms of reducing your future medical bills and that peace of mind that, you know, you're, you're, you're making better uh, dietary choices. So, so those are probably the main things uh, is to think in terms of your diet. So that's uh, preventive medicine. So, I mean, if you do find out you have a high glyphosate level, is there ways to detox it? And how can we do that? Okay, very good question. So um, this gets back to the mechanism for how it works. It substitutes for glycine. And glycine is an amino acid. It's a very important, good amino acid. It has a calming effect. But one interesting thing is it comes in a granular form and it's kind of sweet. And so uh, different authorities have suggested using glycine crystals as an alternative to sugar. So you're going to get two good things at the same time. Okay. Kill two birds with the same stone. <laughs> uh, you're going to basically sweeten your lemonade or your lemon juice uh, with this. Or you can put it on food. And uh, what it will do is it will kind of push out the... Uh, the glyphosate and it'll more of the natural use of glycine will be made by our gut, our gut flora. So that's, that's probably the best way to approach it. Um, you can also do detoxification like liver detoxification once or twice a year. There are a number of, uh, detoxification strategies. We, and we can help people with that here at the Reardon clinic. Uh, even periodically just, uh, maybe doing a little intermittent fasting and things like that, it kind of triggers the body to, to detox. And then there are specific liver detox uh, strategies that can also be used. When you say intermittent fasting, is that like 16 hours of nothing, nine hours on? What does that kind of look like in detail? Well, you know, it, it turns out we all intermittent fast when we go to bed at night and not get up in the middle of the night and eat. Now, mm -hmm. if you're if you're if you're midnight snacking all the time, <laughs> you're not intermittent fasting. But normally, most people go about 10 to 12 hours between supper and breakfast. And so intermittent fasting is just uh, lengthening that. You can either eat your supper earlier or your breakfast later. And as people get more used to it, they can go 14 hours, 16 hours, and just uh, contain their eating within a eight to 10 hour period each day. And that fasting triggers a lot of detox mechanisms in the body. It also uh, helps you become less what's called insulin resistant and that's another major problem because our society is dealing with when you're insulin resistant, you're more likely to store your calories as fat. Whereas if, you're, if your insulin is still working very well, your mitochondria, which burn calories, they're going to burn fat rather than store it. And so intermittent fasting is a good way to lose weight, to feel better, to have more energy, more brain power. And at the same time, uh, you, you're promoting uh, better detoxification of your cells, including liver and other cells that might be holding on to glyphosate.
definitely makes sense. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, so uh, I think just the final word here is that uh, we do not live in a perfect world. Uh, there are all kinds of toxins. Now, it turns out that glyphosate is probably the most common weed killer in the country. Uh, so that's one that we're kind of drawing people's attention to. But there are other toxins as well. They're lurking underneath your, uh, your sink or they're out in the garage or out in the work shed. Um, you know, so or garden, garden supplies, those kinds of things. And so we just encourage people to uh, have a greater awareness and look for more natural alternatives and to uh, do, you know, the various nutrients that you can use that support liver detoxification. These are things that can be done. So in general, health is a matter of awareness and making better choices. And this is just one example where I don't think it's going to suddenly go off the market and there, you know, there's, it's going to still be a problem. So we as consumers have to be more aware and uh, we have to vote with our pocketbooks. You know, as we continue to use more organic foods, they are more readily available and less expensive. And, and so this is a good way to gradually make changes in a positive way, as well as protecting your health and your family's health. That's perfect. And just taking it by a step-by-step basis, it doesn't need to be an over overhaul all at once, but the next yeah. time you think about it or buying whatever you need, just, you know, picking the, the organic option or the safer option and really paying attention right. to and it. Right. And the one thing I forgot to say was sweating. Uh, you know, when you exercise and sweat, or if you have a sauna or can have access to a sauna, you can sweat some of these toxins out as well. But but overall, I kind of tell people, otherwise, don't sweat it because you can just get yourself all worked up like, oh, my gosh, the world's falling apart. Some days it seems like that. But through better choices, better education and, uh, you know, a better sense of self-care, I think we can all uh, live longer, healthier lives. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Ron, for joining all us right. today. All right. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.